Hi, Rashna. Hi, Meher. Hi, Rashna. And thank you, everyone, for joining. It's a pleasure to be here to share my journey with all of you. Uh, thanks, Arman. Um, welcome, everyone. I'm Rachna, and I will be your host today evening. Uh, we have amongst us Arman Sood, the co-founder of Sleepy Owl, which is a D2C coffee brand that has honestly taken the Indian market by storm. Um, he was also part of the Forbes 30 Under 30 class of 2020. And currently at Sleepy Owl, he charts out logistics, delivery, and other um, packaging-related stuff. He's also taken over the customer support wing um, recently. And over the past few days, I've had the pleasure of interacting with Arman, um, you know, just to coordinate this session. And safe to say, um, he's put in a lot of intentional thought in making sure that he's driving as much value to all of y'all for today's huddle. So I'm super excited for this one. Um, Arman, thanks again for joining us today. Uh, before we kickstart, we have a small icebreaker um, just for the people, everyone here to get to know you a little bit better. Uh, nothing fancy. I'm going to say a few words and you have to respond with the first thing that comes to your mind. Um, so are you ready for this? Yes, I am. Let's go. Let's do this. Okay, let's go. Number one, uh, your favorite coffee flavor? Cold brew plain, just a simple plain cold brew black with ice, lots of ice. <laughs> nice. The best advice you've ever received? Uh, I would say like, uh, you know, basically take the jump, don't look back. I think that's, that's always helped me. Okay. Uh, third way, Blue Tokai or Starbucks, your biggest competitor? Neither, to be very honest. Um, but uh, I would say Blue Tokai. Uh, and I may explain reasons for that later if anyone is interested in understanding it better. Speaking of Blue Tokai, um, what are your thoughts on Sleepy Owl going international? Oh, it's already in the process very, very soon. Um, and we're now six years in as a brand. So I think it's high time we take our products around the world. And lastly, but honestly, most importantly, how much coffee do you drink in a day? Uh, six to eight cups. Okay, that's bordering, bordering unhealthy, uh, but we can skip I, I can debate you on that endlessly, but yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, uh, we officially begin now. Uh, today's session with Arman, we'll start with him sharing his thoughts on winning brand trust in an omni-first world. We'll then move into a Q&A session with all of y'all, so keep your questions coming in. We've already shared questions with Arman prior to this session, but we will be mixing them up with questions as we go along today. Uh, we're really excited for you to spill the beans on Sleepy Owl's journey, Arman, so over to you now. Okay, thank you. Um, firstly, thank you everybody for being here. It's an absolute pleasure to be amongst all you folks. And I hope that what I discussed today and what I share with you adds value to anything that you're doing, whether it's, uh, you know, you on your startup journey, whether you're in uh, professional jobs, working with startups or companies, or you have dreams and plans of doing something of your own um, at any point in time. I do hope that what I share with you and my journey is helpful for you. And you leave this hour that you spend with me today with some takeaways. Um, so thank you all for being here and giving your precious time to, to do this. Um, I would also like to point out that this in no way is intended to be a session of Gyan or of, uh, you know, sort of, uh, you know, uh, you know, information overload from my side. I just want to honestly, clearly put down my journey, uh, things I've experienced, things I've seen in the last six to eight years of being in the startup ecosystem. And uh, it's going to be anecdotal. It's going to be experiential, hopefully. 
and uh, you know i'm happy to take questions in between or at the end whatever you guys prefer depending on you know your uh, your thoughts around this um i'd also like to point out that i uh, i'm from calcutta i grew up there uh, spent most of my life there till i was in school and then uh, moved to delhi uh, for law school so i'm a law graduate i spent 5 years uh, studying law prior to starting sleepy owl and uh, in case anyone is you know doing things uh, that or doing has studied something but is doing something else today that's absolutely amazing uh, you know i definitely value the uh, educate the opportunity of you know the studies i did and the education i had but i i am a true firm believer in that you don't have to do what you study you can do anything else and that you know uh, those foundation years of me going to law school or university are just were just for overall development right um but uh, i enjoyed my law school days and my law school career that's where i met my best friend and my co-founder uh, if it wasn't for uh, meeting him there and spending those years with him city out wouldn't exist today so i truly value and cherish that time uh to be honest he was the one who you know actually for the first time i heard the word entrepreneurship was in law school i was 19 i didn't know what it meant uh but he was one who enlightened me and opened my eyes to this world beyond law and this world of exciting opportunities and possibilities where you can create things and add value to the world around you and i got very drawn into that uh very fortunate and i'd like to take this opportunity you know to thank my parents i think it was phenomenal to have their support throughout right uh that you know a lot of you may have uh experiences where you are fighting multiple battles you know wanting to do your business wanting to start up you know do things but i was fortunate to have that support and i'm forever grateful because without them and their uh you know the amount of money they spent on my first startup and invested in my second startup and bet on me uh so i'm you know very very thankful and if you have people that bet on you be grateful uh because you do need that sort of you know push from the get go um so I graduated law school in 2015 realized that this is not uh, an interest area and i don't want to spend my career as a lawyer um it's it's a personal you know sort of uh, uh you know realization that i had uh for everyone in professional careers or doing anything professionally i you know i, I have all my friends are lawyers and uh it's a you know any career is fantastic and you have to make the most of opportunities presented to you but it wasn't for me uh i realized that i wanted to you know create something uh you know run a brand uh, have a business and that was my sort of calling um my co-founder and i you know ashwajit and i at that time realized that we don't want to wait uh you know till we're 30 35 40 gain experience again while i do truly believe that you know in hindsight uh if i had worked longer at a startup or i had more professional experience would i have benefited from it 100% but again we were impatient uh, maybe naive but uh, i only have 8 months of work experience in other companies or organizations and i did learn a lot in those 8 months but you know they say entrepreneurship is an itch and once you have that itch you have to scratch it so we started scratching quite early um and you know pretty much quit my job with without even uh, uh, you know we just knew that we have to get into coffee um and uh, there's an opportunity in this market purely out of passion uh, so there are two ways to think about business that, you know one is when you uh you know you research it right you say okay this is the market this is the opportunity this is the gap and i want to do this right and you say okay this is the large opportunity let's let's tap into it for us it was none of that it was just clear that our interests are food and beverage right we love food we love uh drinking all kinds of things 
Um, and we looked at our own personal lives and realized that coffee is one of those things that we consume every day. And there's a gap in the market that we identified in terms of the in-home coffee consumption. And we said, let's do this, right? We had nothing more than that. No clarity on what the market size is, what we want to do. But we put our papers in and said, we will crack this. We don't know how, but we will. And I'm going to share my screen and take you through our journey, right? So uh, full credit to my co-founder, Ashwajit, who designed this presentation for our sixth anniversary birthday, which was 14th June, uh, 2022. Uh, so he made this presentation. Uh, I did work hard to be intentional to prepare for this, but I just borrowed his presentation without any changes. Uh, so I told him to share it with me and I'm going to share that with you today and take you through our journey. I hope you find this uh, exciting. So here we go. Uh, so we just, as I mentioned, finished six years and you know they say a lot of startups fail uh, after their first year or second year. So I think we've survived six years. Uh, I, I do have full faith that we'll survive 60, maybe longer, uh, and we're going to keep at it. So like every opportunity, like every startup, like, you know, everyone who gets into doing something of their own, we did start from the absolute bottom. Uh, we identified uh, that cold brew coffee is a trend that is going to come to India sooner or later. And it is a very, very convenient method of drinking coffee for, the, uh, for those who may not know. Cold brew is simply a method of brewing coffee in cold water, uh, which takes time and you do it usually overnight. Traditionally, if you go to a CCD or any other coffee shop or even at home, if you have a machine, coffee is brewed in hot water. Cold brewing did not exist in India as a concept or maybe people are doing it at home, but no one was selling a cold brew coffee, right? And that was the white space we wanted to enter. Uh, from an idea perspective, the reason for that was simple we didn't want to do something that was need to, right? We felt that if I need to get people's attention, it has to be something that is, you know, uh, revolutionary in the way it is done. Um, again, uh, there's nothing wrong with need to products. There are a lot of brands that do extremely well and they say, okay, this category is booming. There are a lot of brands, but I'll come with my own twist. For us, it was saying that this is the white space and it will be something new, right? Um, this is Ashwajit, my co-founder. This is a picture from his house in Jalandhar right after we quit our jobs. Uh, this is January 2016. Uh, we just come back from a trip to Chitmangalur. We went there as novices. We went there and spoke to farmers. We went and spoke to uh, traders. We went and spoke to wholesalers. And we said, teach us. Teach us everything you know about coffee, uh, about the supply chain, about the plant, how it's grown. Uh, you know, willing to go and say, listen, I know nothing. Right, But you have to tell me, you have to teach me, and I'm willing to learn. And that's the attitude that you have to maintain. And we still maintain that attitude when we do new things, right? Uh, we actually came back with uh, this supplier who said, you know, five kgs of coffee, sure, no problem. Like, bacheo, lelo, right? Uh, this is the five kgs of coffee that we started making cold brew with in these jars that we got of Amazon in his kitchen and running experiments trying to crack the perfect cold brew. So no R&D scientists, no food development experts. We had no experience in the industry. It is just simple curiosity, right? So we sat on Google. We wrote to founders of other cold brew companies. We spent time on Reddit. We did everything in our power to acquire information from the people around us on, and on the internet to try and crack the product. <clears throat> this, is, um, this is us uh, in the house in Dwarka where we were staying in Delhi. Um, we, you know, we managed to, you know, figure out that if we need to deliver cold brew, 
packaging is a very very crucial aspect of this and uh, glass bottles tins everything was expensive we came up with the packing of this bag in box uh, it's essentially a box with a little bag inside it which has a tap from which you can dispense cold brew right like i mentioned before while the product itself was new and niche and needed consumer education the packaging was even more niche something that india had not seen before and that allowed us to get that attention from consumers right think of yourself as a consumer scrolling on your phone missing things we had to do something that would captivate people's uh, you know attention so that they would be excited about trying our product right um, because the first step is to get someone to try it then if your product is good which we had to make sure it was you'll get repeat purchases right this is a house in dwarka this is us at the end of a day packaging brewing in the house fssai license in the house on the 11th floor of the building uh probably bored so we made this design out of the boxes and said okay let's take a photo um and that's the vehicle of delivery that would come and pick up the boxes every day and it would be shipped around delhi ncr at that point in time all from an apartment we were just three co-founders doing this ourselves brewing packing cleaning uh you know pretty much everything that a business requires one to do um we started doing events very early on as a method of marketing so the middle picture is from my university at jindal law school this was the first event we ever did leverage your community network of friends and family and people around you right we paid nothing for the event uh we had access to almost 2000 students on a university campus who posted about us who were batting for us who were rooting for us to succeed right that environment that atmosphere of your belvishers really helps you get off the ground right in fact this logo was our first logo uh, then we had a second and today's logo is the third so this is pictures people have most likely not seen before um so these are the initial events we were always there for events ourselves uh, we try and do that now as well as much as possible but it is about getting your hands dirty doing the setup doing the grunt work without which you know uh, i don't think we'd be where we are today i wouldn't be speaking to you okay the next thing is about being jugadu right so this event cart that you see in front of you is actually my co-founder ashudeep baby cart which we found in his house in jalandhar which he got a carpenter to repurpose into an event cart right so it's very easy to complain about you know not having money not having resources not having things you know uh, but i think it's about looking around you and finding you know innovation and jugad in the in the in the very basic things around you to figure out how to get off the ground right so it costs nothing and it's it's something that you know we were able to repurpose and use uh, so these are some pictures of how the cart was made and you know how we ended up uh, with this for the first two years this is what we used for all our events um so while of course we started out as the d2c brand we realized that you know there is scope to using d2c using your online customer data and understanding patterns on where your consumers sit and where they buy and talking to them regularly right uh, we would call our customers talk to them every day like i probably still uh, you know know the first 1000 customers by name having spoken to them they remember me uh, we got insights into where we can go and what stores we can be most of the stores that we were at that time were not stores like let's say a, a spencers or a more or a nature's basket where you have to pay immense listing fee it was us going to the store owner saying that listen we want to list our product we would deliver it ourselves and that's how we got the ball rolling again when i talk about packaging here if you look at this it stands out on the shelf it's attractive at least someone will stop and say what is this you know this is something different and that's how you probably get share of mind from people when you start something right This is our sampling at stores, right? 
um, you know, it's not these are these are you know maybe one or two images, but uh, you know, selling your own product and begging people to buy it, educating them yourself, like it's something that you have to do, right? You can't get away sitting in a air conditioned room hoping that things will sell themselves, right? You have to do that groundwork. Today we have a hundred plus sampling staff across cities in the country, but we can hold them accountable. We can train them. We can share our experiences with them, inspire them, right? Because we've done this ourselves. We know how humbling this experience was. Think of the last time you went to a retail store and a product was sampled to you and your reaction to the customer. And you will understand that it is the toughest job to do, right? I can proudly tell you today, we have sampling people who are 10th pass, 12th pass, who can outsell me at a store. And that's not because of, you know, education or because of, uh, skills, it's because of the hustle and the passion that they have and the passion which they work with, right? So you have to inspire people around you and that happens when they see you working at it. So now we're here. Now I'm going to take you to, you know, through some numbers of where we are today and uh, it's not an overnight success at all. Uh, it's been six years that we've been at this, right? So we've had a product evolution journey. While we may have started in 2016 with one SKU, one product, and tried to educate the market, we realized that there are limitations to that product, right? But there were certain principles that we figured out uh, in terms of how we approached product development, right? So we had this box of cold brew in 2016, right? Which was a refrigerated product only available in Delhi NCR. But we had to scale, we had to innovate. So 2018, we launched our cold brew packs, which could be served pan India from our website and from marketplaces, only to realize that it requires education and time and, and it's a difficult product to sell. But India is a country where our customers told us that even on the hottest summer day, they would like to have a hot beverage when they wake up. But we had principles around convenience, ease of use, great product quality and innovation that we had to stand by while doing any product, right? That's where the hot brew bags happened, where you essentially can dip a coffee, uh, like a tea bag with coffee in it and dip it, right? Um, again, because we were available in select retail stores, we were able to see a white space where you had Nestle and Starbucks on two ends of the spectrum, but there was no, uh, you know, while we all grew up having cold coffee, there was no ready to drink cold brew coffee or cold coffee available in the market, right? So we turned out and it took us a very long time to develop a cold brew plant to churn out India's first ready to drink cold brew coffee. Uh, here also we said, you know, while it's an innovative product, we have to make the packaging attractive and innovative. Those pull-up caps that you see are imported from Italy. We spent a bomb on it, but it was very clear from the beginning that there has to be that form factor differentiation in any of our products, right? Uh, 2021, we launched ground coffee and beans uh, as a response to COVID. And we said, listen, we are sourcing the best quality coffee. If there is a consumer who likes making a French press or an AeroPress, we give them our coffee, right? We launched India's first flavored ground coffee though. So we went ahead and did flavors in the product. Uh, 2022 is when we gave in, gave in to, uh, you know, the, the, finally we said, okay, instant coffee karna padega, but you know, let's do it, right? Because our, and it's funny, right? Our tagline throughout was move over instant coffee, right? That was our selling point, right? But we had to go back on that uh, and say, okay, let's, let's do an instant coffee because that's the, that's, you know, where India is still consuming its, its, its uh, you know, coffee. Uh, but again, we did a packaging that is not your typical glass jar with a label on it. We focused on creating a, a very, very good experience for our customers. And the latest launch was our cold coffee because we realized that as much as you do a healthy, natural, clean label, cold brew RTD, 
India is a country where people want sugar, they want milk, and they want something that is indulgent, right? So while I'm I'm bullish on health and wellness uh, as as, cat- as a category, but I know we all have that in us to say, "Yeah, we'll have a cold coffee." Chahiye. And that's where we said, "Okay, let's do this as well." Uh, and focus on keeping a balance between our portfolio in terms of you know uh, indulgence on one side and you know maybe health and wellness on the other. Um, the question mark there is we have a lot of exciting things lined up. Uh, I've recently let go of like operations and supply chain, and we have a senior manager who's looking at that, and I'm focused on NPD uh, and new product development, and that's where my attention is now. So we're very excited for the years to come. Uh, we started with a handful of people in 2016. today we're a team of 200 plus right um again this is just to you know show that it's not a one man show i may be the one representing and talking today but there's a huge force of people to make a brand a reality uh it would be a separate conversation altogether to take you through team dynamics mistakes learnings uh it's been a very very tough journey on building a team we're still struggling to build a, a strong team with more people and the right people in the right roles and also how you manage like i've never had the experience of managing a large team or senior managers right um so so there's a lot of learnings on that but that's a for those interested it's a separate one hour call where again not gyan only experiences is what i can share and mistakes and learnings um in 2017 we served approximately 82000 cups in the year uh 2021 was 31 lakh cups in the year and this year we're poised to complete with more than a crore cups uh Like I said, we started with five kgs in 2016. Uh, we moved up to 800 kgs in the whole year of 2017. Today, we're consuming over 87,000 kgs a year. Um, again, supply chain. What I did for the last five and a half years before hiring a senior manager was all jugaad. You know, a lot of mistakes, a lot of issues, a lot of compliance issues, uh, which is the worst part for a food business. But okay, like you know, there are mistakes, there are learnings. You overcome those. we also set up india's first cold brewing plant so that's the you know we started in a house in the living room with a bucket like a like a plastic food grade bucket today that's our cold brewing plant so again the reason for sharing this is everything is a journey right you don't start on day one with something like this if you do you are extremely lucky right um, but it takes time to build stuff like this the ready cooking bottles the cold brew which i said is slightly niche and you know not up the alley of the indian consumer May 19 pre covid was just 37000 bottles this year in may we did 120000 bottles which was our highest sale ever for the bottled beverage uh, definitely a function of distribution and and getting into retail in a big way because this product does not sell d2c at all right uh, no one buys six bottles 12 bottles on our website it is a function of offline presence which is why this whole talk is on omni channel presence because most brands uh, food or non food should think of an omni channel channel strategy to not have dependency on one channel so again 50 stores in march 18 every one of these 50 stores was self activated which means we went to the store ourselves spoke to the owner and got the product listed this year we're in 2500 stores pan india obviously a function of a sales team that is now there so anyone wants learnings on retail and how do you grow from one store to 2500 to planning to close this year at 7500 stores separate discussion separate conversation lot of mistakes but happy to you know take you through that journey and how to build it and what we're doing again haven't built it yet it's in the, it's in the building process so we still make mistakes and uh, i i i try and learn from people who are ahead of me in this journey as well 
have to be thankful to our investors. We wouldn't be here without them. Of course, started with some of our own capital and money from our parents. And uh, we have DSG and Rukum as investors who backed us on this journey and who, you know, uh, said we'll, you know, take it with you and we'll be on this journey. So good investors, very, 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 very important. Uh, it's a very crucial decision to make who you get into bed with. Uh, so again, separate discussion on details of fundraising and, you know, the challenges and the hustle and how you think about it and when to do what. Uh, happy to share that. Good news. This is not in the media. No one knows this. Keep this a secret. We have Shahrukh Khan as an investor and we have Amir Khan as an investor who are on our cap table today. And this was the presentation my co-founder made for our birthday. So it ends with beer, um, but we can have coffee together today. And that's where I will stop. Uh, it's been a really, really fun journey. And uh, you know, I'm happy to take questions on anything I've discussed or else that you want to talk about. I'm yours for the next 30 minutes. And then anyone who wants to connect on LinkedIn or Rashna can share my phone number, uh, or we can meet up offline. Uh, I'm at your disposal to sort of just uh, you know do anything in my power and capacity to pay it forward because I believe we. I'm sitting here because people like you have at some point followed us, liked us, talked about us, and that's what made us who we are. So thank you so much. Thanks, Arman. That was that was super candid. It ended with Shahrukh Khan, so I'm able to go. I'm very happy about this. Um, but we can move into Q&As now. We have a bunch of questions that have come in already. Um, I think let's start with something a little bit lighter, and that's something that everyone wants to know is, what made you name your company Sleepy Owl? <laughs> okay, so uh, I think again, it's a no-brainer, right? If you're entering, if you're doing anything in consumer, right, uh, or consumer facing, you want uh, an art, you know, you have to have a name that is memorable, right? So it wasn't a fluke, we were very intentional about it. So we would sit and have a dedicated, you know, no phone brainstorming session for an hour and come up with all kinds of names and see what sticks. We also decided that, uh, you know, took inspiration from brands globally and said, okay, is it possible to have a brand where like today you can see a Starbucks logo and you know, Kimo Starbucks, that, that, you know, sort of angel master, whatever it is, right? Um, you know, there's Blue Bottle, which is a big coffee company in the US where they just put a blue color bottle and everyone knows this is Blue Bottle, right? Uh, so we said, okay, we have to have something where the name and the logo can be used interchangeably separately. Uh, if it's a mascot, nothing like it, then it can be used on merchandise, on t-shirts, so on and so forth. And that's probably a good name to have. Um, just, you know, Galti sales, my Ashujit ke muse, Sleepy All nikal gaya, and we said, this is it. We're not going to think harder, not going to debate it anymore. Uh, we have to lock uh, this name. Fortunately, it's an oxymoron. So with coffee, it has actually a very good association because people don't think of coffee with Sleepy at all. And... Uh, uh, thank you for asking because the whole purpose of this name was so that people ask and then it's a conversation and then, you know, uh, so this is one way of thinking about it. The second way of thinking about it was that we realized coffee is a beverage and Ashwajit's again thinking, right? So he's a brand guy among the three of us. His thinking was, yeah, if one person in a group of five friends tries the product, it should be easy for him to go and tell the other, him or her to tell the other four that, oh, by the way, I'm drinking Sleepy Hour, what are you drinking? Well, I'm drinking Sleepy Hour, you should try it. It should be easy to remember and actually pass on because that's what will build word about marketing. So we were very, very clear and intentional about this. Um, 
I think to some extent got lucky with how it's evolved. And if you saw the logo, today's logo was not our first logo. The first logo was made while I was in my previous job with the guy sitting beside me who was supposed to be designing for that company, but he would do a side job for me, uh, you know, and it's just evolved from then on. Um, the next thing uh, that we can speak about now is regarding the USP of Sleepy Owl, right? Um, I think what came up is that while this is a niche category, it's also a category that has stiff competition. Um, so what are the differentiators in that sense? And most more than that, what are the parameters you thought of when you were like, okay, this is what's setting us apart? So, like I said, you know, we realized clearly there's a <clears throat> there's a white space in in coffee in terms of cold brew. There was no brand, you know, actually doing cold brew, educating consumers about cold brew, delivering cold brew. So while we knew that, listen, no one knows cold brew, it will take time, energy, and effort to educate customers. But today, Sleepy Owl six years in is synonymous with cold brew. At least I would like to believe so, right? Um, so the idea is to pick up a white space and then really go out and innovate in terms of execution of that white space right goes without saying you cannot get by in any industry with a poor product right you have to make a great product so we spend a lot of time and energy on product development products that are new and innovative and even if they're in existing categories how do you make it exciting how do you differentiate that product further right um third is we've made you know convenience one of our big usps right because as as the, the first problem that we realized as founders was we, I don't want to use a French press. I don't want to use an AeroPress. I have, it's, it's great occasionally, but it's not something I can do every day. I don't have the bandwidth to do it, right? Um, and, and we said we have to make things that are convenient and easy for today's customer, simple. Uh, therefore, in our communication today, also we rarely talk about, you know, these, these you know, our competitors talk about these fantastic notes of berries and macadamias that you get from a coffee. I've never tasted that crap, never. Like, I just don't get it, right? I want a good cup of coffee, right? I want a great cup of coffee and that's where I'm, I'm happy. So um, that's how we kind of, you know, differentiate ourselves by keeping things simple. And uh, coming closer to the topic about, you know, building an omni-channel uh, brand, um, a couple of folks have asked, when in your journey do you make that pivot to okay now i have enough bandwidth or resources to become omnichannel um <clears throat> what was that for you like at sleepy Hour? and in general what do you think um should be thought before doing that okay so you, you know when we started right before going d2c we actually tried to go horeca right uh, so we actually had this liquid cold brew that we would go to restaurants and say listen this is our cold brew use it as an ingredient to make a range of coffees and put us on your menu right we realized that that's a very roundabout way to go about building a brand, right? Um, so we said we have to go D2C, we have to go direct to the consumer, right? Because we did go to retail stores with that dabba and they said, yeah, what is this? There is no, no one knows what this is. It's a, it's a brown box with God knows what's inside it. Uh, so we said, yeah, let's go directly to the consumer. Let, let them try the product, let them taste it. And soon enough, I think eight months in, nine months in, customers would go to stores and stores would call us and say, listen, People come to us to ask me for your product, like what's going on? Like, can you come and sell it to us? Right. And that's how we went omni-channel from that moment on. So we went back to restaurants immediately, a handful. We were probably in five restaurants and 50 retail stores and D2C. So we were omni-channel in the first year effectively, but at a small scale. The idea was let's experiment. Let's see what's working. Let's see what's not, right? Uh, you don't know on day one where your customer is sitting, where you will get good business from, what are the opportunities? Yes. Took a lot of effort to do all of that. In fact, for those who most may not know, 
we were we partnered with limarsh which is a store in delhi to do a coffee shop in a coffee shop in, in their store so we also did the shop in shop model and it completely burnt our hands we realized yeah we have no idea how to do this bought coffee machines sab kiya absolute waste right but we learned we said listen we can't do this so you have to know your strengths and weaknesses right so we said this is strength this is weakness cannot try and do everything so let's focus on being an fncg company so it was only in 2018 two years in we said listen we're an fncg company right we're d2c slash fncg or a digitally native fncg where we want to build a digital presence but be an fncg company we're not a cafe company you know we don't do vending machines we don't do uh, you know uh, cater to corporates uh, you know with coffee machines right that's not us so we have to we still turn down all those inquiries maybe someday when we have the capability to 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 focus on those categories we'll get there but today we're not so it's a learning process yeah i think i think minal's question is a really good segue from here as well uh, minal do you want to unmute yourself and yes, i your... want to hear other people's voices yeah. thank you sure thank you so much arman it's such a pleasure hearing you and your your willingness to help us out is great thanks for that so uh, for me i believe in my own company as well sales has always been a challenge you know especially when you're creating a market so i wanted to understand that secret from you how did you crack the d2c retail and is that what's getting you the maximum sales or did you get into institutional types you just said that you don't cater to corporates but did you get into some kind of a mass selling where you know you just contact one company and they get you like 2000 uh, you know customers kind of so how does it, how did you crack the sales bit so uh, so today our business is 30% d2c 33% d2c 33% offline retail and 33% marketplace plus e-commerce so it's a very you know sort of even split among the channels right um i think minal uh, if you think you will get to one customer who will get you to 2000 customers it's not that easy it's close to impossible right uh it's about you know i think hustling and following up every single day right so uh depending on your business like if you want to crack retail right you've got to get into those 50 stores right and say okay 50 stores that's where i'll stop next 12 months i'll only be in these 50 stores and i will try and learn and and grow this segment right same for d2c uh you know you you'll have to pick up skills of email marketing you'll have to pick up those skills learn those things build it out slowly while i would say you know 6 years into the business i wish i was you know a 100 crore company 200 crore company we're not there right frankly speaking i i mean you guys could on the outside you know i don't know i'm assuming the perception is much larger for sleepy owl it's not there we're 6 years in we made a lot of mistakes we built it very slowly right um we had to really work our asses off in each category to do it even today i can tell you retail is when we're not there right when 2500 stores the 80 20 rule applies right which means the 80% of our business actually comes from maybe 300 stores the others are good to be in but business is not coming right so you have to figure out where is my product selling it's a most important what is selling okay so i'll give you an example on blinkit on uh, you know swiggy instamart let's say we have a cold brew coffee available koi nahi kharida right it is only the rtd that sells so again what product will sell in what channel in what category right so amazon sell is better for different things big basket is better for different things you know even i'm assuming in personal care purple nike everyone has a different audience a different customer right so that evolution comes from two ways like talking to your customers and then customers are your end customers and then also talk to your partners right 
you need to be sitting with the category managers i can tell you this anyone in business today if you think listing on amazon is success no anybody can list how do you get sales how do you get offtake right that's the tough part so it's a process we can take this offline and i'm happy to you know spend time with you um next up we have aditi um she's also asked a important question so aditi do you want to unmute yourself hey arman uh am i audible yes uh i am also from the d2c space um and you know having had some experience with um brands in this space uh there's often a lot do you know there's often a business mandate that forces you to sort of go back on a brand promise that you've made to consumers um you know you say that you're not going to make instant coffee but you end up making it anyway uh and this happens across categories uh, whether it's beauty or fmcg or whatever it is uh i think one of the challenges that i have regularly faced is while the brand team is of course focused on keeping that brand promise intact um you know how do you how do you ensure that these sort of business decisions don't impact uh, the brand or you know you say that okay uh, even though you guys have said, said honestly that you know um, we've had to make it or we've had to do it i'm sure there's some sort of backlash where you know the hardcore loyalists sort of really uh, take you to task for doing such things sure. i just wanted to get your take on how that sort of um, you know impacts brand trust okay so uh, you know it, it it's a very good question i like the word that you use brand promise right and anyone here running a brand or working for a brand or thing keep in mind like you need to you need to have a brand promise now i can tell you uh, aditi our brand promise was not uh, you know hey we we'll won't do instant coffee or instant coffee is shit it wasn't that right our brand promise was great coffee delivered conveniently right that was our brand promise with instant we worked really hard to crack great packaging it's actually a good product i don't drink it every day honestly but it's a good product right uh, it's for a certain audience it's not for your hardcore loyalist right but it doesn't mean we'll alienate an entire customer base or a huge opportunity so i would not say we went back on a brand promise right we think of it this way mama earth says we do toxin free products right tomorrow now they add toxin in their products that's going back on a brand promise right but mama is saying hey we do baby care baby products for moms and babies but today they sell a men's face cream that's fine you're not going back on any brand promise you're expanding your market you're looking at okay why can't toxin free products be for men you know they're still mama earth but they've like expanded in a huge way right they've bought a, a salon company like no one's questioning them because the brand is authentic honest with what they're delivering to the customer the customer will keep changing i don't think the same person drinking my ground coffee in a french press is having my instant coffee right and i don't want him to it's for a different audience it's also as a business as a brand my battle is against let's say tea or other beverages right where i want people to move from tea to coffee now unfortunately the lowest hanging fruit because of the last 20 25 years of nestle and brew selling instant coffee aaj ki date mein instant coffee bhi nahi pata powdered coffee bolte hain right think about it right powder coffee chahiye right so that's the level of maturity in the coffee market right which is i'm saying it's very niche we did no market research we said yaar apni problem hai isko solve karte hain bahut acha hoga right i mean it is a very small very niche very difficult and slowly growing category right so brand promise authenticity transparency is extremely extremely important uh, and i don't believe we've gone back on that uh, and i hope not to in the future in terms of promises that we make 
um, but very interesting point to touch upon. So thank you. Thank you so much. That was super uh, concise. And I think the the point about the customer will keep changing. I think that sort of tied it all together. Thank you so much. Uh, I think Kadambri has just asked, would you be open to moving into non-coffee drinks or is yes. that brand promise breaking? <laughs> yes, but not now. Okay. Someday. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, awesome. We had another question from Eshwarya. Um, would you like to unmute yourself, Eshwarya? Hi. Eshwarya Hi. here. Uh, it's great to uh, be in the meeting. Uh, so wanted to know that uh, considering the competition in the online is so uh, so much, so the people spending to acquire customers is uh, so high. The customer acquisition is so high in D2C, and the people uh, the brands are facing difficulty in uh, accus uh, like you know acquiring the customers. So may I know the approximate cost for uh, per customer acquisition, or yes. just give an idea or like a absolutely it'll vary from business to business yeah but our d2c is a loss making fund now okay to be very honest right so you've done all the math all the permutation combinations sub kia right Matlab, uh, after all these discounts that everybody wants to buy products and the increasing customer acquisition costs it's not a sustainable business which is why again it is important to not hedge your bet on one channel it's important i'll, I'll tell you the number also i'll come to that but i'm explaining the you know sort of uh rationale around this so being omnichannel is important right uh, so you hedge your bets um for jewelry for personal care for uh, apparel and for maybe travel accessories and stuff right d2c is a great platform because your average order value the aov at which a customer buys is very high right so you could spend a thousand bucks to acquire a customer or two thousand bucks but their first order is like an eight thousand rupee order Right, so chances are you will recover your money after kar karake, right? For us, or for a lot of food brands, because the average order value is low, you need to pray and hope that that customer you acquire comes back and transacts at least two times or three times. Now think about it: you acquire a customer, there could be a hundred things that go wrong. Product could go wrong, delivery partners and aggregators say galat delivery, sab kuch ho sakta hai, right? Customer ko pasand na hai, very easy. So, kar kar aake, there's so many things that go wrong. It's so difficult to bring back that customer who you acquired at a high price, the second, third, fourth time, when you finally start making money of that customer, right? In our case, as of last month, since we're closing June, acquisition, all confidential, if that's possible to keep, um, our acquisition cost was about 1100 rupees per customer blended through Google, Facebook ads, right? And our average order value is bordering 680. Right. So imagine that you spend 1100 bucks, people are averaging order 680 with no guarantee if they'll come back, not come back, receive the product, RTO cheese can go wrong, right? So D2C is extremely, extremely challenging in today's environment, right? When we started 2016, 17, 18, I wish we'd like double down, triple down, because at that time, ads were cheap, right? It was much, much easier to say, I'll spend a thousand bucks, I'll make five thousand bucks with a let's say return of five, right? Today it's we, we struggle to get a return of 1.8, 1.9, right? So it's the reality of today's world. Um, having said that, I mean, you know, it's also highly possible that yeah, we've just not been able to crack it. Like it's, we're just not made for it. Like, you know, we're not the right people, couldn't hire the right people, couldn't build the right team, couldn't find the right agency. It could be very much my shortcoming, right? So I'm not saying you, you could do it. You could find a way you could crack the code, right? We haven't been able to. But what we focused on and what's very important, actually, if I may say, 
D2C is still very important for retention and for, you know, keep, so we have gift items and gift boxes that are website exclusive, right? So we have a lot of people who come to our website because they want to experience buying directly from a brand, right? Um, we do our best to service them. We hope they come back. We use a lot of fun email communication, fun social communication, keep it engaging, keep it exciting. We do really good packaging because we know that, yeah, jitna karchao doesn't matter. Let that customer feel that they are royalty, right? Let them feel that luxury when it comes so that we can differentiate from the larger mass market players in the market, right? So we've done everything in our power to make sure that that happens. Our repeat, so today, for, on our D2C business, 60% of the business is from repeat customers, right? The 40% that comes from acquired customers is unfortunately very expensive business. Like we get that business, but it's really expensive. Hope that answers your question, Aswarya. Um, we have the other, the other advantage of building society, the other advantage of building D2C is for people doing product. You know, you keep innovating, building new products. You can talk to your customer. What did you like? What didn't you like? How can I do better? Tell me about the taste. You know, tell me about how the fit was in case of apparel. Anything, you know, did the cream work, right? That conversation you can have and that connection that you can build. It's unreal because no marketplace, no retail store will ever give you access to your customer. You will never know who you're selling to. What is the age group? What is the demographic? So imagine tomorrow you want to run a, a TV ad or, a, or a, anything that you want to do. Who do you target? How do you know who's buying your product? It's very difficult if you're not, you know, connected through digital with your consumer. Is there a break-even that you've achieved, Arman? I'm sorry, I'm just asking. Meenal here. No, not really. <laughs> oh my god and you're still going that's that's yes. we have nice investors who give us a lot of money to go up <laughs> no, okay. we, so that's a separate discussion on how you measure financial so there's a metric called contribution margin profitability so you have to strive to be contribution margin positive right uh and we are borderline there so we are contribution margin positive which is a healthy sign and investors and people love that because it's a sign that you're heading towards things also, there are certain channels that are not covered. So D2C is not a profitable channel for me, right? But my retail and my Q-commerce, Amazon is also borderline not, but a retail and a Q-commerce is profitable for me. So when you finally balance the scales, I'm good. I'm not bleeding, right? So that's how you look at multi-channel. Um, since you mentioned um customer feedback in your previous answer and speaking to customers. Um, is there a process that you all have in listening to customer feedback? Um, how do you apply it then? How do you take it in? Because now customers are also obviously scaling. Um, so how do you keep your eyes to the ground in that sense? Okay. It's, it's you know, obsession, right? Like that's the only word that I have for it. Uh, I think my, my, my wife just joined this conversation as well. I post her too. Uh, and she tell you that I'm addicted to my phone, right? And uh, you know, sometimes everyone would wonder around me, what am I doing? I, I am, you know, making sure that our internal groups as well as our support email, right, is, is I'm on top of it, right? So like, cannot miss any support email with a negative feedback. If I need to, I'll personally call up that customer, figure it out, uh, you know, um, get that, get that, you know, sort of thing done, right? Um, so, it's again, there's, there's no way around good customer support, right? If you today go on Google right now and type CPR contact and you make a phone call, my phone will ring, right? And I will talk to you. 
right? So my number is widely published, right? Anyone can like essentially call. So of course you get a lot of random calls, but there are a lot of things where you can actually address a customer query, take care of them. And bonus is when you tell them, and I make sure to tell them that listen, you're speaking to the founder. It just adds that level of, you know, trust, that level of credibility, that level of, I've had a call where, hey, you know, there was a piece of glass in my bottle. What the hell? And I'm like, cool, I will solve it for you. I'm the founder. Immediately, the problem has disappeared. You know, it's like, it, you can actually take care of even the worst issues if you lead from the front, right? I'll tell you a story of uh, yesterday. So yesterday, we received an email from uh, this gentleman in Bangalore who said that I have ordered, uh, you know, a, a gift box from you. And my, yesterday was Tuesday and I need it by Thursday morning because my, uh, my friend who is, it's a gift for is flying to Germany. So I saw that email two minutes after it came and I told the team, you know, how fast can we get the product to Bangalore? Team me team. And this is where I have to go back and train then said, oh, it'll reach on 2nd July, right? Um, I said, okay, no, the, the sad part is they didn't even say, no, sir, we'll ship it by air. We'll get it tomorrow. That action didn't come. And I'm going to go back and inspire them to do that. So I said, listen, maybe I'll go to Bangalore flight and I'll deliver it. So this morning, you know, on my way, I delivered that customer's product to him before coming, you know, to do my work in the city. And we did fulfill his promise, right? We did ensure that he's blown away. Right? He will never forget this experience. Come what may he saved my number, he thanked me. And I told him, make sure you give it to your friend who's going to Germany and like thank you for supporting us and choosing us as a gift. Right. So if you can create this memorable experience through your actions organically, right, there is no way he will think of another coffee brand the next time he wants to give it. So this is this is our, you know, sort of way we look at support. No, that's that's inspiring. Um, I think we've heard the statement like do unscalable things before you scale but this is like doing unscalable things after being scaled as well which is honestly very inspiring um i think another thing that came up even during your talk and in the questions uh, in the chat box is your branding and packaging right and um one question that came up was how do you find or like focus on packaging for your target audience so do you first understand who your target audience is and then build packaging for them or build your packaging make it niche make it exclusive and then hope that the right target audience gets towards it okay so um see i think you can't you can't first figure out your target audience and then build your packaging right like you have to have a broad idea of like who your general customer is right and I'd say the idea is, you know, irrespective of who your customer is, it doesn't matter. Packaging has to be exceptional, right? Uh, because that is your sort of in, in, a, in a digital world, right? Uh, or in a world where you're not, so I'm not a cafe, right? No one comes, interacts with me. I'm not a, a H&M or a Zara where someone walks into my store and has a layout to experience, right? There is no physical interaction. The only interaction is my packaging, right? So if I'm supposed to, uh, you know, make him feel wow, packaging has to be world-class, right? So we don't compromise on paper quality. We don't compromise on look, feel, colors, uh, you know, the extra note that goes into every order. Freebies is a big one, you know, very, very liberal with like, you know, okay, let's just put something that will surprise the customer, right? We do a monthly magazine that goes in everything. In case you get the order, you may see our, you know, we have a small snippet that our content team writes and works on. So that's like the physical packaging. The other is overall communication and, um, you know, sort of, uh, you know, how you talk to your customer, right? So 
uh, we, we treat our customers as friends, right? We're selling to ourselves. So we have to, on our content on social media or our customer support, uh, when they email people, it's all slightly quirky, slightly, you know, uh, you know, so on and so forth, right? So I'll again give you another example. This happened two hours ago. Somebody from the US emailed us saying that they have a client who's looking for that pull-up packaging in the US, right? Again, my support team replied saying, these are business things that we cannot disclose, right? I have to talk to him, but I replied that, that email telling that guy, listen, we get our packaging from Italy. You know, they don't make the size you're looking for, but this is his number. Talk to him in case it works out for you. I'm like, man, like, you know, why? Why why are we all like not sharing, not transparent, not open, right? Um, of course, there are downsides to this. We've been bitten in, in, in the butt many times because of being transparent and open and honest and thing, but in the long run, right? I mean, he's sitting in the US for someone in the US market. What am I trying to hide from him, right? So it, it is about trying to build that culture uh, with partners around you and therefore definitely your customers, right? Like, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's what, uh, you know, I mean, almost every, uh, you know, negative review on Twitter, uh, if I can call that customer, by the end of that call, it's removed. You know, and like, it's just one of those things you do. You don't ask them to remove it, but you have such a nice conversation, right? So it, it, it's something that, you know, I've led from the front. I enjoy doing it. And uh, I think it's something that one person in the team should definitely lead. I'm sorry, I went away from packaging, but packaging is a form of experience or social media communication is a form of experience. Any touch point where your consumer interacts with you, you have to make it amazing and memorable. Uh, otherwise, you will be left behind because it's a very, very competitive world. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, obviously our, our competitors order our products and then you see replication, you see your, you know, I mean, you know, you, it's like you, you, you put something up on a website and the next day the competitor's website also has the same line and you're like, okay, like, you know, this is, but after a point you have to be like, okay, no, you know, put your head down, you do the work, you will, you will see the benefits and, you know, uh, there are lessons for the world to decide and judge and see and, you know, understand, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think we have time for one more question. Uh, I think, uh, so let me share another story with you. So I was actually, my flight was actually at uh, 8.30. Uh, PM and Rashna, uh, I told her that I would have to do this conversation in the car uh, on my way to the Bangalore airport, which is really far away. Uh, and then I cancelled my flight and now I'm flying at 12.45 at night. So I'm happy to take 10 more questions. Okay, cool. I mean, if uh, we'll take a few more. like. <laughs> Um, but I think one of the questions that kind of like covers a bunch of things that have been coming in is um, around marketing. Um, so like we said, in D2C brand acquisition, customer acquisition is expensive. Uh, but at the same time, branding, um, you do put put in effort and investment in that, right? So um, how much percentage or how do you balance out? Um, okay, I'm spending a lot of money in acquiring and I also want them to have a good experience. It sounds like it's just a very expensive ordeal overall, right? So how do you make sure that you're still like trying to be profitable through that? Okay, so you know, I, I, I won't be able to share a percentage of marketing because I don't know it. We have my co-founder who manages that, so I don't question. I have no idea on what percentage of spend because we do offline marketing, we do online marketing, we do brand marketing. When you do marketing to acquire customers, it's from your gross margin. When you do uh, brand marketing, it's not counted in your profitability because it's considered a separate metric that you track, right? Um, <clears throat> so obviously your traditional channels of marketing are expensive and uh, you know, D2C, for example, is absolutely like, you know, sort of taken for a ride, right? So 
what we focus now on is aggressive sampling. So we are sampling packs. We work with partners to sample trial. Uh, it's very, very crucial, especially for food and beverage, at least. So they know, right? People are apprehensive. If I tell you to spend 500 rupees, 475, you may think price, right? So you have to figure out how do you sample your product, right? So we really, really aggressive on sampling as a channel. It costs money, but it's not that expensive, right? Second is in-store with retail stores. Also, we have promoters who do sampling. It's extremely crucial that we, uh, you know, again, make people try the product, right? Um, we have done a bunch of influencer. Um, again, the challenge with influencer marketing is it's not great for the food and beverage category. It may be amazing for apparel, jewelry, so on and so forth, right? For food and beverage, we haven't seen much success. Um, I think uh, though what's worked for us in influencer marketing is finding real influencers. And by that, I mean people who, uh, you know, when, when someone says something, people actually say, okay, right? So we have like maybe five such people we partnered with where, uh, you know, uh, we have spent money, but the returns have been phenomenal, right? Because that person holds that credibility, right? Where, because he says it and, and you know, people just say, yeah, you recommended, I will do it. And that person, also, who became a partner for us, didn't partner because uh, we paid him. He partnered because he loved us. He said, man, like, I like what you guys are doing. I'm going to take it and I'm going to do a good job of promoting, right? That authenticity starts here, goes to the influencer, the audience sees it, and it works, right? So anything inauthentic in this loop will not work, right? Or it'll be too expensive to be justifiable, right? Um, sort of my that's been our experience with influencer slash sampling trial and so on and so forth. Um got it. Uh Kanwardeep, do you want to unmute and ask your question since it's also about marketing and uh being bootstrapped, etc. Um please excuse me, I'm down with COVID. So I look like I'm <laughs> so what's my question? So no, uh, hi Mark, take a question if you want. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for such an insight. It's very rare to see somebody actually telling you what goes in the background. So I'm trying to do something very similar. So I talk to people and I'm basically a pediatric dentist. So I could actually relate to not being from the profession, doing something totally off, uh, like something totally off. Like I just know biology. I don't know anything else. So if somebody is trying to bootstrap a business, let's say, and very small and you really need to know how to divide the money like where should the funds go to so should uh, one thing you picked up that okay influencer marketing even i realized that it doesn't really work like more money less return so then how do i market it like where should my money like should digital marketing take most of my money or should i try going in for corporates like get hundred dollars put it in a gift box, Diwali box, get some money, put it in digital marketing. Do you think it works? Like, has it worked for you? So, like I said, digital marketing worked back in the day. It's uh, just one moment. Thank you. Uh, digital marketing worked uh, for us back in the day. It doesn't work for us today as well, right? But I'll answer your question from the bootstrap perspective. Right? I think there are questions about how do you divide marketing spend. Again, every year from 16 to now has been different, right? In terms of how we allocate our spends. But um, if I were to <clears throat> tell you about bootstrap days, right? Um, 
you need to be absolutely shameless okay there's no other way to it so when we started on the on the first week first month right there is no person on my 2000 people on facebook at that time i would accept everybody as my friend because well you know i will use them to sell my product every person got a message saying order we've launched order we've launched order we've launched every whatsapp group entire whatsapp top to bottom irrespective whether i know or don't know every family chacha chachi taya tai mamma nani sabko ab bharo get your people around you to back for you right that 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 is what will sort of you know push very very well in the beginning and get you your first 100000 orders right after that for the first 1000 orders you need to really really ensure that can you get those 1000 people to talk right to get them to talk your product has to be great but you need to call each of those people to take feedback and tell them to tell the world and tell them to back for you right um essentially that's how you should get your first 10000 customers no money spent only hard work right uh once you get that it will grow now one mistake that we made is in 2016 when we started till 17 summer we didn't spend a rupee on digital right i wish we'd started a little earlier right because it was you know important that we would have done that when we did start spending initially algorithms worked that way the results were good we started growing we started acquiring a lot of new customers to the extent that we couldn't we didn't have the infrastructure for it we weren't ready for it right like imagine going from 30 orders a day to 100 orders a day you just don't know what to do right uh, so for two or three weeks like i would take an auto and do my route around delhi ncr same auto guy call him in the morning he'd come and pack these brown boxes in the auto deliver the the orders to people's houses until a week later my co-founder came to me and said arman stop right because said, this is not how the business will be built he's like now the rule is you will not deliver let the orders get delayed right that finally i said okay man i need to hire another writer i need to hire somebody else because either it's me going or like you know the customers satisfaction getting destroyed right so then you put your mind to say okay i have to build systems build processes actually do it in a sustainable manner right but you can't shy away from doing that right i still have from that cohort of deliveries i made people who are on whatsapp today 6 years in loyal customers right so that's the trade off right um so that's the easy bootstrap way of like doing it right like don't be shy like i'm not wearing a sleepy out t-shirt today but wear your wear your brand talk your brand kahin bhi bhi jao like you know it's a rule otherwise on airports so you have to wear your sleepy out t-shirt because freaky marketing right uh, you know those those things you have to have to have to do um you know throughout right like go back to your university your school talk to people tell extended people who you never spoken to that, that that has that hustle has to be there and you have to be proud of doing it absolutely shameless i follow up with like you know the ceos of hotels daily whatsapp morning ki yaar reply karo reply karo like <clears throat> my whatsapp conversation i can share a screenshot there are people with for maybe a year has spoken to myself like i am only talking koi reply nahi karta right ultimately like you know people would say listen i have some self respect i can't continue doing this right no right like I, i will do it you will go on and one day i can tell you i will get a reply right and that account will close and i will get good business through that it will come you have to believe that awesome thank you so much arman on unfortunately we will be ending now uh, but members don't worry arman has also taken the time out and 
answered um, some of the questions that we sent to him. Um, so we will be sending an email with all of those answers to y'all. He's really taken the time out and like answered each one of them. So we'll be sending that to y'all by tomorrow. Um, Arman, thank you so much for joining us. This was honestly one of my highlights for sure. Um, the amount of stories and anecdotal evidence you gave us has just been amazing. Members have just been pouring in in the chat box with how much passion is oozing out of you. Um, it's been extremely inspiring. Thank you so much. Um, members, thank you for joining and sending in these amazing I, I questions. Have, I, have, I have one request for those that you haven't left. Um, as I told you, it's important to be shameless. Can you please, please follow us on Instagram? On Twitter, Twitter sucks. We have like 2,000 followers on Twitter. Bahut mehnat karte hai, barta hai nahi. Right? So if you can go to 2060 today, like my team will be like, you know, woohoo. What went wrong? I want, I want them to ask me tomorrow on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on Facebook. Guys, what happened yesterday that we're getting interest, right? Like it's important for brands. I'm telling you, it is support. It is community coming around, rallying for young brands that, that actually takes you to the next level, right? So if you can in any way or form, do your little bit, little bit to tell the next person around you that, listen, you had a great talk, let's try the product, right? Gift it to someone, just any action on your part, that's all I request of you. Uh, some 20 people have already done it, so your marketing marketing team is going to be really happy. Um, but yeah, thanks, Arman. Thank you, members. Uh, we will be ending this for now, but as Arman said, you can reach out to him on LinkedIn or reach out to me, and I will connect you all. Uh, but yeah, have a great day. Stay safe and we'll see you very soon. Thank Snuffle. you. Bye, Bye everyone. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.